tell you everything, but, but I ain't got a whole lot to go on. Who do you think that is there? Um, so I, you're, an, you're an older fan of Twin Peaks, so I uh-huh. wanted to ask you about this. Okay. What's the deal with Audrey's dance? What's the deal? Uh, what do you mean? Because C- they bring it back in the return, right? Yeah. And like, it's treated like, oh, this big iconic moment from the original series being like changed mm-hmm. and it's like was audrey's dance an iconic moment because yeah i would say so because it's super weird <laughs> i i, I it, it is weird but like when i watch the return and they were like audrey's dance i'm like why is audrey's dancing what does this have to do with anything right um one thing that is kind of funny about this scene is apparently the jukebox just has angelo Badalamenti uh, songs on it. I have um, a com- I have a <laughs> comment to make about that after we finish kind of talking about the scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it, I I do agree that it's very weird. It comes out of nowhere. I always forget that she talks to Donna after this. I don't think they like they like never talk to each other. No, no, um, this is the first time they talk. This is uh they uh, Donna comes up and it's like, hey, I, you know, I've don't seen they talk you from in the school. pilot? Uh. At the locker, I think it's at, at Audrey's locker. She like puts her cigarette out in like an ashtray in the locker, and she talks to Donna while she's doing it. Maybe I guess they did. I'm not gonna go back and check, but um, so Donna comes up and she says, "I my," she's like, "Hi, Audrey," and she, Audrey's like, "Hi, Donna." And Donna's like, "I my parents said they saw you at church today. Um, I but I didn't see you." And then Audrey says, "Yeah, I came by because of Laura." And Donna's like, oh, I didn't even think you liked Lara. So maybe they did briefly interact in the first episode. But yeah. I do like the whole um, Audrey feels bad that Laura died because she cared for Johnny. Um, we, we don't really see any interaction between Audrey and Johnny, but it it's a little expansion of like Audrey's character that she does actually care. I think Audrey's come probably detached from most people in the town. Right, so it's like yeah. not not getting along with or particularly liking Laura is like indicative of not that much, right? Because it's like, yeah, she's pretty isolated from everybody. Yeah, we also um, in this scene get to see uh, Audrey rant about her special secret agent, uh, <laughs> not boyfriend, and she she's already horny for Cooper after oh. she's met him for like one day. Oh boy, is she. Cooper loves coffee. And Donna loves it. Donna immediately is like, Audrey, you bitch. <laughs> like, she's like into it. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's it's good. I love this Donna-Audrey relationship. I mean, we never, we don't get to see too much of it, which kind of makes sense. But it's like, yeah, it's great when they do interact. When they gossip. Um, another thing about, um, Audrey's dance is like, she puts on the Angelo Badalamenti and she's just like, Oh God, I love this music. And it's like, because her acid starts peaking and then (laughs) fucking she starts dancing. This it's I always find it really interesting that she says, I love this music. Like not, I love this song or (laughs) so this is what I pitched in the, chat this most recent watch through what if there's no music playing what if she just didn't put on a song and then she got up and danced it was to nothing and that's why everybody's like uh (laughs) what what's she doing (laughs) i mean they would do that anyway probably but like i just wonder if there's no fucking music playing at all based off of future events as well it's a weird scene um yeah and yeah and 
just because, like I said, this episode has so much shit in it. We get Audrey's dance, and we get Jerry, and we get the rock frog scene, and then right after that, Albert comes in. Um. Oh well. Real quick. Oh yeah. That's I know. This this episode really is is fucking jam packed. Um. If I could just finish the thought on this on oh, that scene though, oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Real, real quick. No, no, I was just gonna kind of put a period on this to say that uh, I think this was iconic. I mean, I didn't, I was not, I didn't watch Twe- Tweaks when it aired, but I did watch it, you know, like whatever, five years later, 10 years, whatever it was. And yeah, I mean, this was a big defining scene when I worked to watch it too. And I think it's purely about Cheryl and Fenn. Like, I think this is mm-hmm. purely, it is, this being an iconic scene is pretty much just about Cheryl and Fenn blowing people's minds. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. it's just all about her performance and how much you just grabs you every time she's fucking on screen playing Audrey. You know, it's like, and it's great. And then, of course, the transition into the, the total spaciness of her comments and then the dance is like just, mm. it just doesn't leave your mind ever. It's great. Um, sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Albert. Um, I do want to say, um, this is like my third time watching Twin Peaks. And something mm. I never noticed is when Albert comes in and he talks to Lucy. Lucy is reading a book yeah. on Tibet. Yeah. Just I, I never Tibet. noticed that. <laughs> yeah, it just says Tibet. So, yeah. I, I don't know what it's really about. but Tibet, man. It, it's it's yeah, a nice touch it. I never noticed. Diving in. Um, anyways, um, fuck Albert. Very nice. Albert's the best. I... He's great in the return. Um, he's but great in the original in this. series. He's, he's just an asshole. <laughs> no, he's not. He's he, he, he's. Well, we'll get to the scene where uh, he defends his position in life. Um, I guess yeah, uh, that doesn't come to later. Um, I think that's in life. at least like so when so they first meet. Um, Cooper comes on is. A little yeah, he comes on a little strong, but also oh um. Harry automatically hates him, right? Um, but Cooper, like, Cooper has known Albert for a long time, right? And he has seen that Albert has, like, different sides to him. And, like, you can see right away he's a lot more, like, tolerant and patient for Albert. Which, I'll get more into episode two. Why, or he just episode lets Albert four, dig his own grave, too. You know, uh, why like, that's, like, more... He's <laughs> not there to defend Albert. He's not here to explain him. He's just, like, he's just going to let Albert be himself and... You know, yeah, so his own seeds. Yeah, it, it's a weird relationship, uh, Coop and Albert. I think it's a mature one. You know, it's like a very adult relationship of two people mm-hmm. who have like seen a lot and know that dealing with other people's personalities is like only ends up being a small part of what a relationship is about. You know, like it's like because when you have a friend as fierce as Albert, you know, and who is like, mm-hmm. you know, he's loyal to the end. But at the same time, that outward presentation exists. So that's why Cooper's not going to be like, oh, you know, like once you get to know Albert, he's this, that and the other thing. He's like, I'm not going to make a case for Albert. He's like, I am mm-hmm. not going to. He's like, I know what I think of Albert. I know what my relationship with Albert is like and what I know about him. But I'm not going to expect others to have that same level of trust and comfort yeah. level with when when Albert chooses to present his way to to mm. strangers. Yeah. I, I feel like it's mostly just like as co-workers, they have a lot of respect for what the other ones do. And they right. both think they're both very good at their jobs. Yeah. And I think that's just where the majority of the respect comes from. Yeah. And I think Cooper knows that like Albert is very much interested in justice, you know, just as much as he mm-hmm. is and just yeah. does it a different way. You know, he does it with data and tools and, you know, uh, just does that like uh, kind of stuff. Whereas Cooper is obviously much, much different in his approach. Albert's interesting in the original series. Hey, Harry's not perfect either. He's the one who tells Albert he's going to ha- knock his teeth halfway up Queer Street. So I think <laughs> not the most Harry um, was okay to say that <laughs> it's fine it's fine it's not that bad queer just means weird it's true it's in that context i think it it works yeah uh harry does not have any patience for him no. um, after what he says harry's not a pc um, guy yeah um a- after that um we get 
more Nadine stuff and we get to see her finally great get to... silent drape runners. And we also get the scene of Catherine and Pete in the bedroom, but we already talked about that. Oh, yeah, we did already talk about this. Okay. Oh, I thought that was in the last episode. Yeah, and uh, we also get um, Leland going fucking insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love the. Scene. Mm-hmm. I love the line from Sarah where she's just like, Leland, mm-hmm. what is going on in this house? Yeah, that's a loaded and- line. It's like, <laughs> I think anytime anybody asks about, uh, like, does Sarah know what's going on? You know, does she not know? I, I I feel like I mean I'm not the only one, but I feel like it always comes down to citing this line. It's like mm-hmm. it's literally like if you want to encapsulate what the answer to that question, it's probably a little bit of both. And it's these weird moments where she feels like everything's going crazy around her, and it's because she doesn't know certain information. She has a right to feel crazy because there's some insane shit going on behind the scenes she she's a great character uh yeah grace abriski does great great job this scene's great like this the scene mm-hmm. with the two of them i mean like yeah this is very like the dance yeah the dancing the whole the, them interacting together in the scene is uh some high level acting i would say mm-hmm. yeah feels very intimate yeah. and raw yeah i think I would have spent a little bit more time with them in these early episodes because they're just, yeah, they're going through a lot, man. Yeah, you like see the kind of mm. really see the 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 cycle of grief kind of mapped out. Yeah. yeah, when you see them like interact with each other, you can tell there's like this giant mix of so many emotions mm-hmm. going on between them. Yeah, it goes through different stages. It's like it's that initial stage where she's with Donna in the house and. She's almost like comatose in like the last couple episodes. And yeah, now she's a little more. It's actually, oh, it's interesting in that scene how like Leland's, you know, in in that headspace and like Sarah's the one who comes in to calm him down, you know? So it's like you get the feeling like, okay, right. They're both fluctuating between moments of level headedness and being grief strucken. So it's fun. it's interesting to see Sarah be the one who comes in and is like, Leland, calm down. Um, and then, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then we get into some real shit. Ah, uh, yeah. So a- after we already had two of the most iconic scenes in the entire show, yeah. Um, we also get one of the most iconic scenes in any show. Gobsmacked um, with the, yeah, all in one episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty wild. Um, yeah, my, it is wild to see. The red room this early in the show every single time. Yeah, yeah. If if, if you if we don't already make it clear what we're talking about, we're talking about the red room dream Cooper has. Yeah. The the thing is, this is this is the only like kind of supernatural thing that happens in season one. Mm-hmm. And I, I always like say like when I'm trying to sell the people on the show because I always think it's like this weird like insane supernatural like surrealist show. I'm like, no, right. only one surreal thing happens in the entire first season and even then Mm. if you wanted to you could just dismiss this as oh it's a dream sequence yeah it's just his and i'm sure that was the intention at the time yeah Mm -hmm. i mean that's all cooper it's funny because if you i mean in cooper's dialogue he never really implies that it's like magic like i think he maybe at one point he actually directly says he's like yeah i think He's like, in this dream are the keys to finding Laura's murder. And I think he believes that mm-hmm. because he thinks his brain has assembled the pieces into this dream and that it's like yeah. a code that his own, you know what I mean? Like, it's like if he can just figure out why his brain. Yeah, I think they say, like, crack the code, solve yeah. the case. Totally. Right. Which is like, you can look at that as extraterrestrial for sure. But you could also look at it as just like, yeah, a person's mind. uh at, at this point in the show, if you're watching it for the first time, I think the intention is you just see it as a dream. Yeah. Um, but now, like, we, we've seen the whole show. We know that the Red Room is very much a real thing. Right. The arm is very much a real guy. So mm-hmm. we know it can't just be a dream. Mm-hmm. And that it, Bob and Mike are communicating mm-hmm. during this yeah. dream. In so, real um, time. <laughs> uh, which is do you interesting. Think this scene is kind of really weird. <laughs> what's that what's the first uh the, the scene is um 
uh, it's kind of obvious that the scene is very weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's lots to unpack here. Yeah, it starts. We don't even start in the red room. I, 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 a lot of people forget that we get this. No, we start off with a really direct explanation of the whole convenience store about uh, the mic relationship. There's an intro which is just a collection of out of context clips from the international pilot. Um, which I mean, the whole red room no. sequence is an out of context clip from the international. Those pilot. aren't out of context at all. Those are. It's Mike talking to Cooper. So this whole dream is yeah. happening because Mike is initiating it. Like mm-hmm. Mike is communicating with Cooper to give him information. And he's basically saying like, Hey, what's up? I'm, I'm uh, Mike. I am in this Philip Gerard guy. Uh, I knew this Bob guy. I don't know who he was inhabiting, but I can basically mm-hmm. tell you that Bob, ki- I mean, I guess it doesn't say Bob killed Laura, but like, mm-hmm. I guess he's implying it. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think Mike is communicating with Cooper and then Bob, like, is basically overhearing this and just comes and kind of chimes in um, and is like, Mike, are you there? Uh, Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm going to keep killing. And then it kind of goes on from there. But yeah, like before that, Mike is telling Cooper just, I mean, he's just laying out the whole convenience store thing. I think you say convenience store. Yeah. We live above it. Right. And then he says, I mean it like it is, like it sounds. So it's Mm -hmm. like, this is the best dialogue. If you like go through this dialogue, it's just like really, really great. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of things written down. Like I too have been touched by the devilish one. Right. Tattooed on the left shoulder. I wrote that down too, because that could, um, I mean, if you want to not accept the reality that Judy was a retcon added much, much later in the show, that could easily mm-hmm. be a reference to Judy. You know, he could be yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm al- I also, you know, I'd like, right, touched by the devilish one. That sounds like Judy to me, mm-hmm. um, especially in the way I, that relates to Bob. It, it's interesting how he says, like, I think you say convenience store because, like, the whole yeah. they live above the convenience store thing. I, I still don't completely understand it, um, but, but it's this, clear, like, this, this is gives a thing. It more context, that, yeah. Yeah, this is a thing that's been around for a long time. And we gave it the name convenience store. Well, it's it's I think it's more like because he says before that he's like, we lived among the people. Right. Like that's Mm -hmm. how he kind of starts this. So he's basically like, I guess he's just talking about the possession of Philip Gerard and maybe Bob possessing Robertson, perhaps the uh, maybe, you know, the, the cabin guy that Leon talks about later. He's saying like he, they lived among the people and right, like they lived among, um, um, above a community. I think they just found some abandoned, you know, it's like they literally were just like, OK, this is what we're deciding is our our meeting place. It's like, oh, yeah. You, mm-hmm. What do you people call it? Uh, look, you, you call it a convenience store, right? I don't know. It's just a room to us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe or maybe right. Maybe they did model it after that. And we're kind of like we chose something that would blend into the background or look abandoned. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it is always fascinating that, that this dialogue uh, is pretty key to the structural parts of like the, the, the spirits in the world and stuff. And then um, we get to the part that everyone remembers um, where we're actually in the red room for the That's first right. time. First time we see um, the red room. It's we got the Venus to Milo. We got that weird shadow behind the curtain. Venus we got de Milo. Venus. T- <laughs> She's got no arms. No arms. Um. Yeah, looks pretty much like. I mean, it's a little different. The chairs are a little different. Cooper's old makeup is super <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah. It's like Saran wrap wrapped on his face. Um. But the fact that they even have him in old makeup is pretty wild, uh, mm-hmm. considering how things shake out later. Yeah, we get to see La- Spirit Lara for the first time. I don't know if like yeah. you call it that. We but get to s- mm, the arm's cousin. Yep, the arm's uh, cousin. The arm himself. Yeah, and the arm busts it down, sexual style, <laughs> and then uh, that's right. Um, and that's kind of like Audrey's dance. Of the episode with that. <laughs> Yes. 
Why is Red Room Laura the arm's cousin? I think because she's just another spirit person thing. Hmm. So she's not she's not really Laura Palmer. Or is no, she? Laura Palmer is a human. Laura Palmer is a is a human based figure that we know her by. But yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's like I think that's what they're saying. Like, that's there. She's my cousin. She's the, uh, oh, doesn't she look exactly like Laura Palmer? Yeah, I think at one point she went down to Earth and was like this Laura Palmer person for a while. I don't know. We've been here for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. I can barely yeah, remember, it, you know? It could be like Laura's doppelganger or it could be whatever spirit took over Laura. I, I don't well, know, Well, I think man. it's her. Like, So whoever we witness in the plot of Twin Peaks – I'm blowing smoke right now, by the way. I, this is <laughs> this is going to be me making assessments on, a, you know, whatever – 10th walk, watch through or some shit. Of course, forgetting information. It's so easy to forget information about the show. It's actually it's yeah. kind of crazy. Like, it's like, yeah, you find yourself asking, like, like earlier when we were like, but we know Mike, it's like, we knew Mike was doing something specific in the morgue. <laughs> it's just <laughs> hard to remember exactly what, but, uh, yeah. So I think in this context, I think it's like, I think Cooper is just meeting the arm for the first time, right? And yeah. also meeting whoever inhabits Laura, right? So whoever he he's meeting the golden orb right now. Mm-hmm. Like this is this gold this is like you know, whoever whoever whatever spirit or angel is is in charge of controlling Laura Palmer's body, you know, here on earth and who went back to the lodge, you know, and is hovering angel lady you know, like her name is probably not Laura Palmer. So I think that's why they're talking about her in the sense of like, yeah, this is my cousin. She's another spirit like me, you know, like that's why she's a cousin. That's what I'm getting from cousin. It's just that like, she's like me, you know, Um, she's not a human. Uh, And right. And I've pretty much said, yeah, like she's not Laura, but she is the spirit who was, being Laura and is the being you know as Laura and is appearing to Cooper as Laura because that's who he knows her as. Yeah. So um, one thing I do want to talk about this series or uh, this this scene is um, Laura making out with Cooper. <laughs> that's. I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just meant to be a. I don't think it's meant to be overtly sexual. It's just meant yeah, to be like a it, tender kiss. You know, it's like kind of. It's weird. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot to talk about in this scene. <laughs> yeah. So. That's what she yeah. does. I don't know. Yeah. That's just Laura. She made it's out with Laura. like half the population of Twin Peaks. She's um, She's all about it. Spread the love. Yeah, and um, so she does whisper to him. My father killed me. Right. Um, it's not, I, we're going to have to revisit that. I think along, along, along this rewatch too, because it, from what I, I, yes, there's a part where they play that footage back and they have audio of, of Laura saying, my father killed me. Um, I believe it is, it is retconned to say that that's not, I think this is another one of those situations where it's like Cooper thought he had the answer, but it wasn't actually, you know? Okay. So I don't think I think that gets retconned at some point because they continue to show that ear whispering moment in the return like we've never figured it out. So that might be something we need to kind of continue to revisit. Yeah, because I, I yes, she, she does say that. But I think that's another red herring, even though it is correct. I feel like. Um, the problem here is this, this, this scene sets up, like, has a lot of moving parts. It's already been talked about to death. There's only so much we can add yeah. to the conversation. Um, and there's a lot more information it is a we will uh-huh. obtain. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I feel like we'll be revisiting it as we keep going. Yeah. Big yeah. Time. Mm-hmm. And, yes. um, the one thing that, uh, bothers me about this scene, and I think bothers everyone on earth is uh cooper 
Why can this wait until the morning? Because he doesn't remember. <laughs> and he doesn't want to say it over the phone. He doesn't want to say he forgot over the phone? No, that's embarrassing. He, he couldn't like, remember for one second? I just had a dream. Uh, beep, 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 beep for breakfast. Yeah. No, no, no. Because he can't Maybe have I'll forgotten. Because he, he can't have forgotten because he says, I know who killed Laura Palmer. So in that moment, he remembers. Uh, I don't. I think he's being a little facetious. I don't think he means <sighs> literally. I know that it's also Palmer. Yeah. I would remember that. Also, he has a cowlick, and that's funny. That's great. Oh, it's such a nice cowlick. You can spell it. You can tell they spent a lot of time on that. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I can't wait until morning. Just tell him now. <laughs> hey, man, Cooper does not rush shit. He knows he's time. It's to a murder case. If you know it's the murderer is, it's okay to rush that. Oh, it's not how he works, man. Oh my god. <laughs> Gotta chill. Gotta keep it chill. Alright. You wanna talk about episode four? Oh, we, I, I, yes, I think we're finally done. We're finally episode three. Um, getting to the yeah. Um Yeah, I do I do wanna talk about the log lady intro for episode four. Okay. Um so. first of all I wanna say that if you're watching the show, um if you're not watching the log lady intros intros, I think you're missing a lot. Mm-hmm. They're really great. Um, and she says a lot of things which just kind of like uh, these are very clearly just David Lynch talking straight to the audience of like his intentions. Um, she says like we are ignorant of many beautiful things and one day the sadness will end like I just wrote those two quotes down because they're like I think they're very important to Twin Peaks's like ideology and all that like there's a lot of like things that just humanity is ignorant to and there's like uh, sadness doesn't last forever uh, time keeps moving forward and that's Twin Peaks and it's beautiful and it's great and it's terrifying and the log lady is wonderful and I love her yeah um and yeah that's no I that's a good word um I I started to watch them this time around and yeah they're very they're very illuminating mm-hmm uh, a couple of different things. Yeah, it's just another one of those things that uh, it is probably a little more valuable information on the second watch as well. But it's, it's funny to yeah. see that it's super direct and clear about, yeah, this is what to expect. In the actual episode, we start again with Audrey being all over Cooper. Audrey and Cooper breakfast. Starting, yeah. starting with that. Yeah, all over Cooper. Mm. Um, but... Uh, they're working together a little more now. They're kind of doing productive things. He uses his great detective skills to figure out that she's the one who left the note about one-eyed jacks. Because it smelled like her. That's the funny. No, part. he said it was because it was her handwriting. Well, yeah, but did you also notice how <laughs> he... So I did want to... When he picks up the note in the previous episode, he, like, smells it immediately. <laughs> and I think he he can smell that it's Audrey as well. Oh, that's creepy. That it's it's. I mean, you know, smells are, <laughs> smells is the number one uh, memory receptor in our brain. So it's like if she was if she had a shit ton of perfume on when she came to talk to him at breakfast, which I'm sure she did. Like, and then I, I'm sure it came off on the note, and just a little whiff is immediately mm-hmm. going to trigger your brain. Yeah. So yeah. I think that I think that, but I do think that was implied. Yeah. He like he takes yeah. it, and he sniffs it, and then he kind of like looks up and is like, hmm, and then yeah, later. And of course, he, yeah, and it's funny, though, that he says, oh, it's your handwriting. Because when would he have seen her handwriting? Because he made her write something down That's on right. the, in that scene. Good point. Good point. Um, so then maybe that but, was his yeah. check, his, his second check. So I love their um, dynamic in this scene. I love when she right. talks about her relationship with Laura. She kind of repeats what she said about Laura and Johnny in the previous episode, but. Yeah. She says, like, we weren't friends, but I understood her better than the rest. Right. Which kind of makes sense for, like, Audrey's character. Mm-hmm. How she is kind of, like, in this weird place among her, like, fellow students where she's she'll never show her, like, real, like, no one is ever going to see, like, the full her. Which is kind of very much Laura yeah. palmer E. It's probably part of the reason she kind of stayed away from Laura, you know. It's probably that not mm-hmm. that she disliked Laura as much as she just... 
knew that, yeah, just maybe not a person needed to get involved with, especially mm-hmm. with their own issues going on. And then uh, after that, Agent Dale Cooper forgets who killed Laura Palmer. <laughs> I don't think he ever knew. I don't think he woke uh, up with that answer. I think he was yeah, just but, jazzing him up. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just saying that if you were an audience in the 90s <laughs> and you waited a week for that, I think you would be very upset. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. <laughs> hey, well, then we wouldn't have a show. Yeah, we wouldn't um, have a show, but it's crack still... Crack the code, solve the crime. That's much more exciting. Crack the code, solve... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they have to go to get Albert to let uh, Laura Palmer go to her funeral. That's right. There's a situation down at the morgue. Um, and, yeah, Albert refusing to... Uh, <laughs> this, this, this conflict, honestly... It's kind of dumb. It kind of makes no sense. I mean, it's more character development for, for Albert, I guess. But it's like, this is a completely stupid conflict. Like, both parties can get what they want in this situation. It's really not an <laughs> issue. And then, like, they're just both being... They're kind of both being jerks, to be completely honest. I, uh, I do love when um, Harry the, punches him. Yeah. That's a great moment. It's uh, <laughs> a good punch. It's a good punch. It shows you what kind of person Harry is. Yeah. No, Carrie knows when to knows when to draw the line. It's completely justified mm-hmm. in his his punch. Um, so Cooper tells him to go wait in the car. Uh, gives Albert the orders. He pulls rank on on Albert, which is sexy. Um, yeah. Love when he pulls rank <laughs> on Albert. Uh, and he's like. Yeah, just get your test results done and have them ready by this time. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. not that and hard, like, Albert. Yeah, they go and they get the results. They talk about on the station afterwards, mm-hmm. and like Albert's like, "I'm gonna file a report against Harry," and Cooper's like, Harry "Shut the fuck down." Up. Twin mm-hmm. Peaks is the greatest place on earth. I'm gonna buy property uh, here. Yeah, I I love I f- totally forgot that he tells mm-hmm. Diane to. Get a house in Twin Peaks. So I noticed that this time around because it made me curious. Um, and I asked this in the chat and some people chimed in. Like, it made me curious about if uh, Mr. C ever buys property. Because you know how, like, so Duper, Mr. C, Doppelganger, Cooper, you know, he comes yeah. out at the end of the show. Spoilers. Sorry. Is like, and so, like, the whole story they kind of flesh out in the return, right, is that doppelganger cooper was kind of like almost like building up a little like criminal network you know and like getting money and making investments and doing this and doing that like i wonder if he ever bought property in twin peaks as mr c just kind of as i wouldn't be surprised you know kind of a weird referential thing there uh as somebody in the chat oh somebody in the chat mentioned dead dead dog farm Mm -hmm. which i think is uh, part of the return, and so in theory, it's implied, and maybe Mr. C did in fact buy property in Twin Peaks. Yeah, um, that's nice. Not um, in the way. Yeah, uh, after the scene with um, Albert and Harry, uh, we do get to see um, Maddie for the first time. Yes, and I, was, um, I-, I love the bit on. Uh, it starts with Leland watching Invitation to Love again, mm-hmm. and there's like, and so and so playing Jasmine and Jade, and then Shirley yeah. walks in, and, and the, it's like, hey, look, the, it's yeah. person on the TV uh, is like Laura Jade. Palmer's cousin. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Maddie was clearly like an afterthought, but she's still a really good character. She's a great character. Yeah, it's what I've always heard is the story is that like, like she thought it was a crime to not have Sherilyn or. Uh, Cheryl Lee, what's her name, right? Yeah. Cheryl Lee. To not have Cheryl Lee in the show proper, because <laughs> it's like <laughs> she found this amazing actress who plays a dead girl. So I, it's a f- hilarious move that is also fantastic. It's like. It, it's very soap opera y. Yeah. Um, Why not? I do have in my notes here that Cheryl Lee is an amazing fucking actress. Yeah, she's and really good. I'll always be mad she didn't have more of a career outside of Twin Peaks. Yeah. She was one of those people, like, you know, I always wonder, like, 
you know, maybe if she wanted to, you know, or maybe she's, she seems to do little small projects every once in a while. So yeah. maybe she, you know, still enjoys it when it's the right thing. I don't know. But yeah, she's super good. Good. And like, I always love Maddie's like big, big smile, like in the big glasses. And yeah. like the first shot of Maddie is awesome because it just sets her apart from Laura so clearly. But it's, and you're like, oh, that's fucking actually her. Yeah, she's awesome. And it, it's kind of what Leland needs at that moment, which, you know, maybe Leland doesn't deserve it, but we don't know that yet. So let's not worry about that. Yeah, we don't know that um, yet. Yeah, there are, deep con- <laughs> there are very deep conversations to have about who Leland really is, I guess is yeah. the best way to say that, right? Um, but right now... We're just going to live in that. Yeah, let's live in that world where we're just looking at Ray Wise being crazy on screen and uh, and thinking that this is a father in pain. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's the story being told right now. Yeah, that's the other Ma- thing. Maddie is um, she isn't in this episode a lot, but sh- she's nice. Mm-hmm. She's a great character in her own right. Yeah, we're going to see see a lot of Maddie coming up. Oh, I don't know if we missed this uh, yet, but there's there's this little scene in, in, interspersed where uh, Jacoby, uh, Audrey's in the walls of the, she, she goes into the secret passage of the, the yeah, hotel. Yeah, that, that comes a little bit later. Uh, oh, okay. I have in my notes, um, why is there a secret room for Audrey to spy on her brother? There's, all the walls are open, man. She, she goes in the walls all the time. She goes spy Does she on, have like, a secret everyone. room to spy on Cooper? I think so. Does she? Ooh, that's a good question. Know. We don't uh, see her yeah, use but, it, but we do see her use lots of other ones. So. Before that, we get um, Cooper, after the bottle scene from last episode, gives a visit to Leo. And I, I love how the scene starts, oh. where Cooper just comes in and he's like, Harry, look, ducks on the lake. On the lake. And so he says it like he's never seen ducks before. Yeah. And it, 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 it's he wonderful. He may never have seen ducks on a lake before, yeah. Crazy. How do you, that's weird to me. If you're I don't a city know if guy, just, I, like if you're just a city dwelling guy, never grew up in the country. I mean, he is fascinated by the country. He's fascinated by trees. Yeah. This guy, so I think he's yeah, he's he's getting yeah, he's drinking it all in. Um, and uh, Coop loves everyone in Twin Peaks, but he has absolutely no patience for Leo. He's spot uh, bullshit. It's, it's probably yeah, has something. Probably had something to do with walking up to a guy who was chopping a stump and not any yeah. wood at all. During this entire scene, Leo never puts a chunk of wood back up onto the stump to chop. He is just chopping the stump <laughs> the whole time. He's just swinging the axe into some wood. That might be why Cooper has a bad feeling about him. So they get into, they interrogates him, calls Leo it's bullshit. It's a pretty straightforward conversation. I want to talk about uh, the major and Bobby. Oh yeah, I, I want to talk about him too, Bobby and Garland. Yeah. And um, what really strikes me about Garland is considering like Bobby's character and all that, you kind of would expect him to be written as not a great father, but but he is. He's. I, I love Garland in the original series. I I could not disagree with you more. I think he's actually written as a pretty bad father. What? So all the do you see Bobby's like do you see how disengaged he is with his son? Like all he this is like the fifth scene or like the third scene at which he's just sitting next to Bobby and talking at him. Like he's just talking at him. He's overanalyzing, no, overly analytical. He totally is. No, this is not how you talk to an 18-year-old boy. You don't sit there and, like, muse to them about the trials of war and you're like, shit. Bobby doesn't understand any of that shit. His friend just died. He just needs, like, his father to be present, not to be, like, o- overbearing. And and I mean, the Major is super <laughs> overbearing in these in these opening no. scenes of the show. And Bobby no, reacts no, 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 no. In, and Bobby reacts appropriately. Like, I mean, no, Bobby I, reacts as a cornered animal who is just not, I mean, like, yeah, so let me just be clear. I don't think the major is a bad father, but I think he's being a bad father in these moments. He's not, he's not at his best because I, in, in, amongst all of this, what, what is the only physical 
interaction he shows with his son. He fucking smacks him across the face for smoking a cigarette. Like, it's well, he not, shouldn't be smoking right. a cigarette. Right? Is that really what's That's important serious. right now? That's is that really serious. what's important? No, it's not very serious. What's very serious is Bobby hurting inside about his confusing, like, girlfriend dying. That's that's the issue. Like the man can smoke as many cigarettes as he wants. Like that's the thing. And he's all the major is doing is going through the motions as a father without actually engaging with his son. So and I've always Uh, thought this ever since the first watch at every single watch through. And later they really go a lot out of their way to, you know, explain and inform, you know. um, Oh, by the way, he's also an absent father. He's it's it's constantly said that he's not usually at home or there or around. So it's like Bobby's experience of this man is he comes home. He talks at him about all these like muses about all these high minded concepts that are, are generations beyond something that Bobby can understand. And he's not like bringing himself down to Bobby's level and bringing himself to what Bobby's experiencing. And he's also showing Bobby no physical warmth whatsoever, again, except for smacking him across the face. So it's like he, it's physical abuse with no balance. It's no engagement emotionally. It's, it's pretty harsh. I completely disagree with you. I think Garland is trying to comfort his son in a very, very confusing time of his life. And Bobby is using coping to smoke, and coping is very serious, or smoking is very serious and a very bad way to cope. And he's trying to stop that early. And he wants his son to process this death in a in the way that he feels way. it should be processed. He's not letting Bobby process it. I in think his he's own right way. in the way that he. I think he's right in the way that it should be processed. He's no, just trying no. to help Bobby. You can never, you can never impose a, a method of dealing with grief, grief upon another person. Like it is not I, appropriate not what to I do really, that. You know, I think he's just trying to help him cope because Bobby is not By handling telling him it how to be at all. Uh, he is handling it. He's handling it in his own no, way. No, he isn't. Yes, he is. Uh, he, uh, look, have you did you see Bobby in these episodes? He's like he's a mess. He's not handling it at all. What What would handling it look like to you, though? I don't know. Not being like an asshole to everyone he meets because that's what happens always... when you're in grief, man. I mean, it's like that's that's really like. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an unhealthy way of handling grief. It's wrong. You shouldn't do it. Going around and telling people how healthy or unhealthy they're being with their grief is not a helpful way of dealing with that problem. He I've doesn't straight up just sell him many, like many he's times. being like healthy. He's just saying like, hey, maybe you should think about it like this instead. He is, I don't think he's being overbearing. I don't think he's being forceful. I don't think, I don't, you know, when you're dealing with a personal death like that, it's really not helpful to have people come in and tell you how to act. You know what I mean? Like it's, and it's not about whether you're being healthy or not, because like you're going through a trauma, you know, it's like, I don't think he has perspective. Like smoking is bad. Sure. But like, we're talking about an 18 year old kid here. It just doesn't seem like an appropriate response to me smacking him across the face again. it's about in contrast to what he does experience from his father, which is no warmth. He gets no physical, like that's the thing. It's like, there's no physical contact from his dad, except for being hit, you know? And I, and it's, and it's a military family too. It's like, it's like, I think there's an implication of kind of like, like a really overbearing home environment, you know, really regimented home environment. And Bobby's lashing out against that, and you know, I don't know. I don't I, think the majors are the agree. best. I don't think the majors are his best. I do think he's trying. I agree, but sometimes you know, even people who are trying can need a little bit of a uh, correction. And I think he's not on the uh, best. I think they're very detached from each other in that moment. It's, uh, it's, I think it's a life uh, thing. You know, it's like they, they're. I'll, I'll I'll just say that I don't agree with your reading of the major at all. I kind of get where you're coming from, but that isn't how I see him. That is, I don't think that's how he was intended to be portrayed. Uh, that yeah. is, but that's yeah, that's fine. I totally get that, and um, I don't know that that's not the intention. 
because it's like to me, I just like look at Bobby and, and like watch Bobby during those scenes, I would say to, to anybody kind of, you know, uh, kind of between the two or, or if you, you know, I'd say that's what I would recommend because you just see him like he reacts to every word his father is saying. He's listening to every, he's hanging on every word his dad is saying. It does he's not just feel like, like he's really listening. It feels like he's just oh, he totally is. He, look at his face. He will react to every single word and he reacts contextually like he'll do like a head shake or he'll do like a huh or he'll do like a he'll like grit his his teeth or something and he dismisses everything everything. it's that's because everything the major is saying has nothing to do with him he's it's he's the major is not he's just talking at bobby not listening he just cut like he's in this situation where i I don't know like in this scene he basically is like the major just comes in Tells Bobby to sit down, goes on and on about situations that have nothing to do with Bobby and his very visceral pain that he's feeling right now. And it's like and then Bobby kind of flips out at a certain point. He's like. And then the, the major is like, but don't be afraid, son, you know, like and, and Bobby's like afraid. Afraid like you think I'm afraid like, yeah, of you course have no he's idea afraid. who I am. He's in denial that he's afraid. He is afraid. Afraid of what? The funeral. No, he's not. He has to bury his girlfriend. Of course he's afraid. He's Are you angry. kidding me? He's angry. He can it's be not, angry dude, and afraid. He can be why both. Why would he be afraid of a funeral? A funeral is an event in time. The, 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 the fear. Have you ever gone to a funeral? They're like. Yes, dude. I, yo, I have gone to like so many funerals in my life. Like this is what I'm saying. It's like this perspective is coming from somebody who has seen so much loss. Like I had three people die this year and like two of them. Like it's just so it's like. Yeah, I've been to a funeral. If you're going I mean, to the and I'm funeral not afraid of a funeral, of your girlfriend, dude. then of course you're going to be afraid. No, you're, it's not an it's not an of course. Some people are afraid. Some people have been afraid for years. I think Bobby was afraid. I think Bobby's done being afraid. Like it's not about and it's like to be told. I think in a in a period like that, if you're in extreme pain because you've been afraid for years and then it happens and you couldn't prevent it, you're done with fear. You're just mad because you're mad at yourself for not being able to prevent it from happening. You know, you're mad at like um, the world. He's mad at everybody else, you know, like and and that he goes into that dialogue later at the the funeral where he thinks it's all caused by, you know, all of us caused it kind of thing, which I don't really agree with. But it's there's some some truth to that. And yeah, he's just pissed. He's not afraid. He's just pissed. And I mean, he wants to get it over with, which I think he also says in that scene, too. And and sometimes that's an OK deal, way to deal with grief. I'll be honest with you. Like, it's like he was very close to this woman. She died. And I do think he's done with the fear. Like, I don't know why you would be a- afraid. Like, it's like there's no, I, you know, it's like at a certain point, you have to trust people to be able to tell you what they're feeling in that moment. And if Bobby says he's not afraid you can't just write that off and like, oh, he's just a kid. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, I think in my uh, reading of Bobby, I think he is in denial that he's afraid and he wants people to think that he's not afraid because of his own ideas about his self identity. And yeah, I, I think he's afraid and I'm not I'm not going to budge on that. OK, that's fine. I mean, I think he's struggling with a lot. I'm not denying that. But yeah, to, to, to use the word like to use the word afraid. I just think it means something very specific. And I, I, I'm on Bobby's side on this one. I'm honestly because it's like I I don't want to sit there and have somebody lecture at me about how I should be feeling seriously in a situation like that. It's just like it's it's silly. Like it's like what you do in that situation is you sit there and you be with them, you know, and you don't you don't talk at them and try to lecture them on life experience. It's not a download. You know, it's like it's not a data download opportunity. And that's what the major is seeing it as is like I think he I mean, I do think he cares. He wants to try. He's, he wants so badly to be engaged with his son. And and I think like so to maybe inform my perspective a little bit here, it's like. I think that later on, it, it's like a missed connections thing or something. It's like later on, Bobby learns that, you know, it's like, oh, these were these were the ways that my father was showing me he cared. You know, it's like in his way. And it's not I don't think it's Bobby. I don't think there's any innate expectation that Bobby should be getting it 
You know what I mean? Like, I think they're both kind of messing up. And I think they both realize that later. And that's why the major, you know, feels so driven to confide in his son with all of this information later on, you know, and it's and and when Bobby receives that information, he's now learned that like, oh, this is actually like every time my dad gives me information, every time my dad tries to do a data download on me, even though that may have been the wrong way to engage with me as a youth, I understand now that I am older as Bobby that that was always him trying to show me he loved me. Right. So it's like, so I agree with what you're saying. I just, I, I, in real life, I would say this is probably a, a, a story to take caution from and is probably not the best way to interact with your son in a period yeah. of, uh, of, of pain. And I would say, I would even go to SARS to say is like, if you are a father in that situation and I've dealt with, I've, I've worked with kids who were, you know, like for many, many years, kind of like uh, in the summers, I, I would do this program. It's like uh, kids from all kinds of backgrounds and stuff. And like, like sometimes one of the best things you can do for a kid who's troubled like that is like to treat them like an adult for a minute. You know, it's like and like it's like I think one of the best things the major could have done in that moment is I'm sure he smacked his kid across the face for for smoking a cigarette or told him not to hundreds of times before. What if he sat there and had us, you know, let his kid smoke a cigarette and was just with him there that just that one time, you know, it's like, I think that would show have shown Bobby a warmth and an understanding that kind of goes beyond like, Hey, this is a bigger, he would make him understand. Hey, I know, understand this is a bigger moment uh, than me oh, telling you not to wait. smoke. You know, it's well, like, wait a minute. Well, this, um, you can have a cigarette this one time. This guy's probably hanging uh, around military stop, stop people smoking cigarettes. Oh, S stop a minute. Um, Sorry. Do you think in the scene in episode four before the funeral, he he smacks him? Uh, He slaps Bobby across the face for smoking a cigarette at one of the. Yeah. And that's not in this episode. That's earlier. That's yeah. in like the pilot. Yes. But in this episode, he comes in and he's smoking and Bobby thinks he's going to lecture him on smoking. And he tells him, no, I'm not going to lecture you right now. Oh, I guess he kind of does, doesn't he? Well, then he, he does. He lets him now. smoke. He doesn't stop him from smoking right now. All right. I guess he does. All right. So I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Right, I, don't, I don't think we're going we to come we to can, an agreement on this. No, no, we so. don't have to. I don't mean to get so heated about it. I, I'm not disagreeing mm -hmm. with you. I, this is this is a this is a big one for me. Honestly, like in yeah. the show at large, my I, I think the way the major is portrayed, I think, is I was always shocked to see people fawn so hard over the major and call like i i think this is a pretty widely held belief but i personally don't don't really agree with it um i think personally it's a better story when they do have problems at first uh mm -hmm. but yeah sorry yes Whew. yeah um I'll anyways, calm down now. uh <laughs> uh i i do agree that um bobby and his father have communication issues and yeah. the way they work through it for the series is very interesting. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, I, sorry. I, I really I like where it eventually leads. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. Big time. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, in much lighter, uh, talk, uh, I noticed in this rewatch that one of the little China statues and Ed and Nadine's house has an eye patch, eye patch painted onto it. What? Um, <laughs> she has like little like uh busts uh on her like oh. shelf made of like china and she painted and a little eye patch on one of them yeah she painted a little eye patch on one oh, of them oh dude that is adorable yeah <laughs> nadine uh, nadine, I oh, love nadine you. you're the best dude i love um, you <laughs> she's <yeah>. so great <laughs> commenting on her little statues for a second here um my girlfriend was in the room when i was watching through this part and when she's like touching the little tree, the new little tree she got, um, mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about? Um, my girlfriend yeah. was like, just, my girlfriend is out of, out of nowhere, off to the side. She's like the arm or she's like the evolution of the arm. And I was like, good reference. Good reference. Yeah. <laughs> I watched through the show with her uh, last year. Yeah. And um, after that, we get um, Audrey's secret room to spy on her brother. Yeah. And then we finally get um, the funeral. Uh, I like that moment which, with Jacoby and um, and Johnny. It's very quick, but it you know it's it's nice to see that Jacoby isn't a complete fuck up. Mm -hmm. Also, yeah. somebody in the chat during that scene 
made a joke that it was like Jacoby taking it off and going, that's appropriation, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. It, it, the whole Johnny um, indigenous headdress thing is uh, maybe a little bit not super aged well. I mean, he doesn't, um, he doesn't know. He just likes, he just likes Indians, you know? Yeah, he, he just doesn't know. He How doesn't. many of us when we were younger didn't think Native Americans were fucking awesome, though? Um, I didn't really... Really? Put you too did, much thought. Did you no. did you not have like a big unit unit at school or something? I feel like maybe this was like a '90s thing or something. Like, I feel like every elementary school had like would have like a whole unit like just all about Native Americans. Um, what happened in my school system in Canada is for like the first like um, like oh. eight years, um, we yeah. barely talked about them. And then after that, we're like, hey, uh, we may have accidentally killed, like, thousands of indigenous children. Oopsie-daisy. Um, and that's about it. Yeah. You know, that might be actually more of an American. That That's making me realize it's probably more of an American thing to have, like, the whole unit on that since we literally took over their land. So. Yeah. It's the least we can uh, do. Don't worry. We treated them even worse. Um yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, anyway, in my notes Native here Americans for the cool. yeah, in, in my notes here for the funeral scene, uh, my first note is uh, Bobby really needs some counseling. Um, parentheses, even though he's right about what he says at the funeral. Um, they all need some counseling, man. All these people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm not. I'm never a big fan of like people. Like I, whatever. It's a work of fiction. Yeah. You know. It's um. <sighs> He's got yeah. In the it's context a, of the show, someone should have done something for Laura. But what could they have done? I, I don't know. Just she was a something. she was a she was a freight train off the tracks. They try. They kind of tried. She was a wild girl. She was a wild girl. Um. Yeah. No. It's it's it needed to be said. You know, whether yeah. it's 100 percent true or not, it, it needed to be said. Somebody needed to, to blow up this funeral a little bit, uh, make it a little less nice and neat. I, I do love the um, fight between Bobby and James that uh, goes into slow motion mm-hmm. and um, feels very soap opera. Yeah, if that makes sense. It just starts the feeling of abject horror that. You start to get, and then Leland jumping onto the coffin adds to that. Yeah, Leland jumping onto the coffin, oh, which so is good. played for laughs at a funeral scene. It's just um, another one of those cocktail Twin Peaks moments when you're laughing and horrified yeah. all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so good. It's uh, it's such a masterful like, mix of things. And then yeah. to continue those weird that weirdness, we cut right back to Shelly <laughs> with her freaking miming out. Yeah, making fun of this <laughs> grieving to those father. old men who love it. They are loving it. Mm-hmm. They're loving the bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? Sometimes it's okay to laugh. That's what, yeah. That's what, that's what and the then, um, story is. Uh, speaking of Shelly in the diner. That's also when uh, Cooper becomes one of the boys. The boys, that's right. The bookhouse boys. Harry already trusts them enough to make him a bookhouse boy. I mean, it's pretty which solid, is solid. Really nice. Right? Yeah. I love um, what Harry talks about um, with like the role of the bookhouse boys. And like even Harry, who's like a very straightforward, grounded kind of person, he, he knows that there's something unnatural yeah. in the woods or in Twin yeah. Peaks. Even he's Harry aware doesn't of it. care about his own beliefs. He just cares about having the resources to deal with something. Yeah. He doesn't care yeah. about what it is. He just, he just wants, yeah. He just wants to have the tools to deal with the problem. Um, and then they go back to the book house. And um, this is something I noticed uh, as a Canadian, <laughs> which I'm not sure if you noticed, but um Bernard's Quebec accent is so fucking bad. Oh, is it? You know, I, I was going to say Bernard. I, I have a note in here that just says Bernard's accent is awesome, but I don't mean awesome and <laughs> that it's accurate. It's just that he's really chewing on it. It's like, oh, he has so many good lines. He, 
He's the bartender. You American. He's the bartender. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so many. It was for my own personal my supply. Own personal <laughs> supply. I know. He's just like going for it. Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, uh, Bernard's is, is a terrible Quebec accent. I've been okay. to Quebec. Uh, I two trust times. you completely there. Um, uh, Jacques is not that good either. Seems um, a little better though. It seems more. Yeah, uh, th- they're both something. like they're both bad in a hilarious yeah, way. Yeah. So that's so funny. <laughs> I always <laughs> love his accent, man. Oh, yo, yo, it's so good. Okay. Yeah. Um, a- there's after the funeral. Um, uh, the first moment we really get between Cooper and Hawk, which I really uh, love. Where? Oh yeah. Cooper always being his curious, um, mystical self is asking Hawk about, mm-hmm. uh, wandering dream souls yeah. and Native American spirituality. And like Hawk is like saying like all this stuff. And then I, I love the moment at the end where like Cooper is like, do you think that Laura is wandering around? And mm-hmm. he says, uh, Laura is in the ground, sir. That's the only thing I'm yeah. sure of. And that's, it's, it's very, it sets up Hawk's character yeah. pretty early. And Hawk is a great character. Yeah. Um, kind of underutilized. Mm-hmm. That's his role, I guess, right? It's kind of like, but yes, it, he's he's great. Yeah, he's he's another one of those kind of. He's almost like a mirror of Harry's. Like he very much believes in the spiritual and uh, and and the the otherworldly things, but he's also only going to act on you know what he can see and feel. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah. I you know, I, I was sifting through the episodes earlier, and uh, I forget which episode this even was. Uh, but it's Harry and Cooper are about to walk into the the, you know, the little uh, sheriff's uh, station uh, with the, ta- the office with the table and like or the conference room or something. And Hawk's like talking to them, and he like splits off. And Harry's like, "If anybody can find him, uh, or Hawk's going to like look at the train car and look for more evidence, I think." And Harry's like, if anybody can find anything, Hawk can. And Cooper's like, tracker? And Harry's like, yeah. Cooper's like, ooh. <laughs> it's like, they're, they're not dogs. I know. I was like, I was like what? He's just he's a Native American? He's a tracker all of a sudden? And he's like, well, he does. He happens to be a tracker, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure, yeah. Yeah, and then phase we kind of close kid. the episode here. Cooper and hawk or just chilling yeah. at the bar and leland's um, kind of wandering around yeah, a little harmless but then the music changes and oh yeah. boy dance with me dance with me it's no um, bitches <laughs> uh it's always that swing music that really sets him off what is yeah. that is that ever explained directly is that just like music he likes to listen to with laura or um, something or or is it more fucked up than that i don't know maybe it has something to do with bob being like old uh i don't know oh interesting was swing music pop popular when the bomb went off could could i don't know something along those lines well those are ideas we will tease and prod and juggle and Mm. play with it's not it's not trying to intentionally making that sound weird uh as we continue with this podcast this has been fun anything else you want to cover with these past three episodes and uh, wrap things up no uh, a lot happens in these a episodes lot. I'll say the beginning of Twin Peaks is very um, I don't want to say condensed but just very thick it's very dense yeah um, it, it come, becomes a lot thinner for lack of a better word going forward um, so I kind of expect these episodes to be shorter I hope they are because we've been talking for two and a half yeah. hours um, yeah, yeah, it's a good time to call it quits. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, hopefully from here, I mean, we should be able to do kind of two episodes of a recording maybe and just kind of get some other people in on it, get in some, you know, maybe we'll yeah. do a little less of a play by play and just sort of like do a once over of the episode and then kind of get into some yeah, more I, detail with I think the guests. we'll try that next time. Yeah, yeah, we'll try to. All right. Quick one. All right. Well, all right. Uh, I, I remember I said to you when we were starting this that I didn't want to do a complete just I know play by play because I didn't want to be like the nostalgia yeah. critic. Um, no, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> kind of going that direction. We can always just edit it out. That's I remember um, one of the 
earliest scripted YouTube videos I made was one on King Kong, uh, the original from Freddy Free. And uh, I, I wrote it in the style of a nostalgia critic with a play-by-play. And I didn't produce the script for like a year. And I went back to it. It's like, wow, this is terrible. <laughs> and then I just like cut half of it. And it ended up being a pretty good video. Yeah. Um, when you don't yeah, that, do a play-by-play. <laughs> that's my plan. It's like, even for the first one, I, I think I'm going to go through and like, I don't know. I tend to be a little verbose too. So I might even just like for my own, like just shorten down things that I've said. Cause I know that I repeat myself, but like, yeah, I might kind of try to cut a lot of fat so that it's kind of like almost to the point where I'm not even trying to mimic it being an uninterrupted conversation. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. sometimes there's just edits where you could tell there's a little bit of time loss, but it's like fine. All right. Don't cut out um, stuff about Garland. No, Drama no, is good. I like it. No, that was good. <laughs> no, that was a good conversation. All right. Um, cool. Yeah, my head hurts because I'm wearing two head, uh, sets of headphones. Yeah, I had a break. Um, because of a weird, my weird audio setup. Um, anyways, yeah, cool. I think I'm going to go uh, head out now. All right. Uh, see ya. <laughs>